You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. Welcome to the Sacred Collective. Um, if you haven't seen us um, have a new um, episode drop, we've just had a little bit of a snafu on technical difficulties. Technical difficulties on stuff, but I think we got everything going right, mm-hmm. Caleb. Yep. And we did have weather difficulties one week also. Yes, we did have weather oh difficulties. The weather has been so awful we always, this year. That's like, our, that's like our thing is we always start every episode oh. talking about the weather. Well, hey, every, We're in every, Minnesota, so. every podcast has their uh, their, so now, their gimmick. Now there's water everywhere. Now, but mm-hmm. if anybody's listening and they're not from the Midwest or from the States, um, we've had like 60 inches of snow and most of that snow has been since January and it's only the third month of the year. And about I've slipped on the on the ice Caleb multiple times. Well. I got a good oh, looking. We can make has, this. The, oh my goodness, he has we, such a horrible bruise. We can make that the image of the episode. <laughs> yeah, you go. I don't know if people want to look at no, that. Yeah. No, um, but the last week it was probably only about twenty degrees out. <clears throat> Today it was forty five degrees. Mm-hmm. This is Fahrenheit for all you Celsius people. So forty five degrees. Logical um, people. And this weekend is supposed to get down into the low 30s, but then starting next month, like, I think starting next Monday through the following Monday, it's supposed to be in the mid-50s. So all the snow is going to be gone. But then as a Minnesotan, and Caleb can attest to this because this is your second, second, full, second, second winter. full winter here, um, it, March and April always is gross because it smells like pungent outside. <laughs> all, no, it does because all the snow... <laughs> It gets all soggy up because all the snow melts, and the sewers can't take all the water, and then you have standing water all mm-hmm. over the cities. Yep. But then, but so then you have to be really careful when you're driving so that you don't drive into a big giant pothole. But then April comes around, middle of April comes around, and then it's pretty nice. And then everyone comes out. And then everyone. Out. The nice thing about Minnesotans, as soon as the sun is out and it's like above fifty degrees, everyone's out and hanging out and. Or outside with their family. Grilling out. Yeah. Do you say grilling out or barbecuing? I don't well, know. Well, grilling and barbecuing are two different things, Caleb. Hmm. Oh, okay. Grilling is like hamburgers, hot dogs, brats, mm-hmm. any of that stuff. And barbecue is with what, sauce? Yeah, well, barbecue dry is just rub? that. Like dry rub, sauces, chicken, chicken you know. Um, pork. Yeah, any of that. Pulled pork, all that stuff. So, And in most Minnesotans, if they would do barbecue, and they have like a whole different barbecuer than a grill. Now I know. We don't mess around. Come on, Kansas City. You're from. You lived in Kansas City. Well, they're one of the hot spots. Of yeah, but I'm just heard people call, calling grilling out barbecuing. So I don't know. They're wrong. Well, they're wrong. let's do <laughs> intros real quick. Brian is more of an They're wrong. Well, they're wrong. They're Anyways, wrong. they're wrong. <laughs> we'll do our intro, and then Caleb's going to lead us. So I'm Brian. Caleb. Kayleen. We have a small group today. Um, it's fine. Maybe that's maybe that's for the better. But now we know who the the true acolytes are. Yeah, the true acolytes. That's a good word. I like it. You like that? I have a oh good my vocabulary. gosh, that makes me think of lighting candles and uh huh. When I was like, when I was goats. get out of your Lutheranism. Kaylee. I know, so terrible. I'm kidding. I, lighting candles. That was important. As long as I didn't set myself on fire. It's a nice ritual, good, right? Good times. Yes, yeah. it is a nice ritual. Hey, Kayleen, before we start, do you want to let everyone listening um, know what happened to your car today? Oh my goodness, seriously, really. I I dropped my keys and they ended up in my boot. 
And I, I, I came to your rescue and was he searching head to was, head. He was searching everywhere with his flashlight and even the one with the magnet. And I almost had to... Oh my gosh, I almost had to have the car towed. It was horrible. Then as I was setting up the tow, I looked down and there it was in my boot. I didn't even feel it. Just kind of hooked over. Instead of instead of a, there's a snake in my boot from Toy Story. Uh-huh. There's a key in my boot. I know. There's you know, there's a, key a, in my boot. a Toy Story four coming yes, out. Yes, there is. There is. I just found that out. I, I saw How to Train Your Dragon three. It was that good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was really really good. And uh, they had a trailer for Toy Story four. I didn't even know they were making one. I love Toy Story. A man and I had a date night last Friday, and we went to see Captain Marvel. Oh, did you? Fantabulous guys. Fantabulous. Nice. <laughs> I probably won't go see it, but that sounds exciting. I know. So, Caleb, what are we talking about, good sir? <clears throat> yeah, we're talking about uh, the idea, mainly in the New Testament. I guess maybe sometimes with like the Old Testament prophets and stuff like that. The idea uh, that Christ talks about a lot of um, poverty. And in following Christ, there's kind of like this essential, like a, not even implied, but like a direct, like uh, mandatory like kind of obligation to to sell all your possessions and uh you know like the whole as we say in evangelicalism like the the rich young ruler i can't believe i said we with evangelicalism <laughs> that, that's a that's a holdover that's a holdover from, anyway not hating i mean, I, I love evangelicals some of them but uh the the idea of like you know the rich young ruler like what must i do there's something going on out there so we've had a lot of cops in the neighborhood yeah, there's been a lot of cops in the neighborhood but yeah, the idea of uh, having you know sell all your possessions, and even just in the recruitment of the disciples, like you know, with uh, who are the sons of Zebedee? James and is it oh, James geez. and John? Don't John. put me on the spot. Oh, jeez, it's James and John. James and John, I think. When you know they're, they're like working for their dad, and Jesus rolls up and he's like, "Hey guys, come follow me," and they just drop everything, and you know they drop their income. Uh, I think doesn't Peter leave his family, or I guess Simon at the time? He left. He left up. I mean, he had a whole fishing business with Andrew. I thought, I, th- I think he leaves, I should have researched this, but I think he like actually leaves his family. So like they're leaving their families, they're leaving their, their source of income, and they're, they're homeless. But, and, and they're leaving to go with this radical rabbi. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Which at the time, culturally speaking, that's a big thing to have the the rabbi ask you to come yeah. with them. We might even see that as like a cult or something nowadays, you know, like some, Maybe. some wild... Maybe. Wild new perspective. But yeah, they're like, they're leaving their... And then in Acts, aren't they even commanded to like, like accept no money in whatever towns you go into? Or maybe is it in the Great Commission in Matthew? Or maybe it's in Acts where it's like, you know, don't like go out and preach the gospel and don't accept any money from anybody, mm. you, you know? Um, yeah, I don't remember. I should have researched these passages more. But, but uh, yeah, just the idea of like, so it just seems like a very... Uh, very straightforward running thread, especially obviously in the New Testament and around Christ's teachings and and Paul, I think too, just this idea of of how essential it is to be almost like homeless, to be impoverished. Yeah, I just had a go fish song stuck in my head, and it's like, I'm like ready to go fishing. And oh my gosh, what song? Oh gosh, it's it's about are you ready to go fish? Let's hear a couple of bars. Like, oh, I don't... Oh, gosh, it's been... Sing it, Kayleen. Ready to go. Ready to go fish. I don't even know. It's been a very long time. I don't know if the microphone picked that up in that little whisper. Well, 
I really don't need people hearing me sing, so... That's pretty good, honestly. I don't know yeah. the song, Do you sing in the shower? No, I don't, actually. Do you sing in the car? If there's something good on. Okay. Do women pee in the shower? Seriously, why are you asking me this question right now? I don't know. I'm pretty sure women probably do pee in the shower. Okay. Door. I don't know if you doubt it'd be my like more it's, messy. Like I don't know. I pee. How about you, Brian? Do you pee in the shower? Um, I used to. Not since I've been married, because Amanda would kill me. Well, how'd she know? Oh, she. Women know. <laughs> women know. <laughs> women know everything because the, they're the better gender. Let's be honest. Okay. Oh, you're so sweet. Amanda's not even here right now. Yeah, she's. She'll hear this later. <laughs> she's got him trained well. Um, hey. Yeah. Hey. I don't like it when women say that we, we change. We're not dogs. We're not an animal. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm just saying women are sm- the better gender. I can't disagree, honestly. Um, you guys are freaking magicians. You, you have a child. You have child children that are in your womb. Mm. You have a tumor that grows inside of you and comes out and becomes a person. Yep, pretty much. True story. Mm. Well, and your body actually grows other organs to help the baby. Men can't do that. Mm. Men, like, get the sniffles, and we're like, ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're all uh, conceived as females, right? And then it's yeah. like a... It, it, you're all... It's a hormone the, bath or it, something. It's their... The father is the one... Like, his, his gene... Or his chromosomes will actually make the baby male or female. So that's the male's... Part of the male's job. But every baby, when they're conceived up until a certain amount of weeks or months they're all by default female by default yeah because well and so, like and even our doctors at the hospital when Ava was born almost two years ago said it's way easier to have females that's why there's a lot more females is it a lot i thought it was like 51 percent females in the well they're just saying it's easier to have if you it's easier to have girls on it is to have boys oh huh. okay okay your parents didn't get that memo because you have five boys <laughs> yeah right very statistically improbable Anyway. Thanks for that tangent. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I started with the peeing in the shower. So. Are you going to apologize I'm, for me? It, it's just because I I listened to Go Fish when I was in college, and they have, their whole, there's a whole thing about going fishing, and it makes me think of Jesus coming to, are you, uh-huh. you know, are you ready to, to come with me? Are you ready? Right. To, I will make you fishers of men, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. Yeah. I, yeah. I think... The thing that I've always struggled with, with in my studies and just in seminary and just in you know reading the scriptures and stuff, is I feel like the life that Christ led and has called people to follow Him, um, and I am going to use you know more male pronouns. So I'm sorry for Jesus that just works for me, but whoever Jesus is to to whoever's out there, anyway. I feel that we, in our in our cultural context now, we can't live in the cultural context mm-hmm. the way Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very different. A lot of things were way more communal. Like mm-hmm. you could like live in a, an apartment this size, but have like seven people living in it mm-hmm. back in biblical times and. And, and we have fire code here in, in America. So we were even told here in our apartment, it's a two-bedroom apartment, you can only have four people here, like by law. If there's more people than that, we could get evicted. So just things like little things like that. And then mm-hmm. um, most, of the, most of the cities that you read about, like in the Bible, they're not cities like St. Paul that's like 300,000 people 
or like Chicago or LA where there's millions of people. Mm-hmm. There were more like villages or mm-hmm. like little communities where like maybe maybe a thousand, maybe four thousand, which is still not that big. So I think it's stuff's like easier than that. But I do think with the sorry if you hear my daughter in the background, she's uh She's it's getting her molars. It's and a rough day for She's me. getting her molars, yeah. and so she's had a rough day. So um, I don't know if Caleb can edit that out. Or you no. can just... It's just part of life. I could, but no. it, it's just part of life. You're going to have to deal with crying kids. No, um, but I, I think it's almost... It's not impossible to mimic the way Jesus lived his life or like his disciples, but... It's very hard because we, as much as we believe in Jesus and his teachings, 2,000 years later, just the way we live our life as human beings now, it makes it almost impossible Mm -hmm. to live in poverty. And I I should preface that if you're a single person and you only have to take care of yourself, it's a lot different than being married and having family, like having Mm -hmm. kids. Because when you are married... You know, you're in it together, and then when you have kids, then you have to take care of your kids. So I know I've known individuals who are like, "Oh, I'm living a life of poverty," or taking a vow of, you know, like we've talked about, like St. Francis and stuff. Well, you can all do that if you're a single person. Look at all these great people who were these great monks or great, you know, like I think of St. Francis, or you look at like Thomas Merton. A lot of these great people, they're all they're all like single men. Or like single women, and well, the, it's the a lot easier. Thing with Saint Francis is the the counterpart for Saint Francis. She started a whole. Yeah, she started the. What was the, her name? Crap. Um, oh, it's Catherine, isn't it? No, um, no, it's not. I'll, I'll look it up. Right I know. I, I have it on the tip of my tongue. I know. But yeah, so I think it's easier to do if you're a single individual and not a married person. I'm not, and, but I think I would say the equivalent of that, and it's not even religious, but the equivalent of that is being like a minimalist. Because I think when you're a minimalist, you know, I know a lot of people, there's a growing trend in America where like you don't have TVs in your, you know, you might have a TV in like maybe like a family room, but you don't have it in the living room. You don't have it like in a kitchen. You just, you know, take time you know from that or like a lot of people garden live off the land like that stuff i think is getting back to like minimalism and kind of getting back it's claire of assisi yeah claire of assisi um anyway i know i'm kind of rambling but i just i think it's i think it's important to kind of have somewhat of that in mind to have like a vow of poverty but i think we would have to understand the definition of the word poverty because poverty is when you talk about poverty, especially in a city like, like a major city like St. Paul or Minneapolis, it's going to be a lot different than being like, oh, like having like a vow of poverty like they did in the Bible compared to like poverty to most people in America now is I haven't eaten, mm-hmm. you know, a meal today or in the last two days or I don't know how I'm going to pay my my rent or my mortgage and I'm going to be poor. So that, you know, that's obviously not what we're thinking about when we're talking about this, but I think the understanding of poverty is maybe something we could talk about too. Yeah, because that's completely different. Mm-hmm. Sorry for rambling. No, you're fine. I'm gonna play devil's advocate a little bit. Surprise, surprise. Stop rolling your eyes at me, Kayleen. Um, you missed that, huh? Yeah. Are you? Where are you going, Brian? 
Okay. Well, can you still hear me? Okay. Okay, because this is directed towards Brian mostly. Um, is it possible at all? And this is kind of, for one, harkening back to if you've heard it, we didn't. Brian and I interviewed uh, Jason and Christian from Drunk X Pastors, and Jason brings up the idea, like, what if, if there's something in the Bible that doesn't make sense to you? Is it what about what about the options of uh, maybe you should consider that either you're trying to validate what is written there versus maybe what's written there isn't fully applicable or or fully true even? And this kind of bleeds into like we had a few topics to choose from for tonight, and this kind of bleeds into another one of them of the idea of like can you still appreciate scripture without fully uh, taking it literally or even fully saying that. Or, or, or maybe also saying that uh, some parts of it aren't aren't right, and so is it possible? Like, if if we're gonna validate it for ourselves and say, I want to stay comfortable, I want to not be homeless, like Jesus says I should be, or said that his disciples, he wasn't talking straight to me. But then, is it po- like, is there an option where I say either, you know, what we're kind of saying right now, what we're kind of dancing around is like, oh, well, it's a different context, it's a different culture, like. You know, maybe their definition of this and that was different. Maybe the culture around them was different, which could be that the culture is wrong and we're not wrong. Or could you say that maybe that was like fabricated and not necessarily something that, uh, like, maybe the heart of it is right, but like, but it's not. It's it's like kind of wrong for us, I guess. Which is kind of stretching, I guess, the definition. But I so have no idea what you're saying. I'm saying, is it possible? Like, instead of saying. Well, poverty was different then, and the culture was okay. different then. So, it, can so, we say maybe that that lesson of having to be... If we want to stay having a home and stay paying our bills, is it possible to say, well, maybe that, that was wrong, saying that you have to be homeless and leave your family and leave your mm-hmm. income? I don't know if I... And I'm not saying I believe that. I'm, I'm playing no, at devil's know, advocate. And, and it's good. Mm-hmm. But I think that goes mm-hmm. back to exactly kind of what I was saying, is living life in the Middle East 2,000 years ago and living life in the 21st century in a westernized country like America, it is radically different. Mm-hmm. On, on technology, on, on I mean, you have cars now. I mean, you have... We have refrigerators. Like, all the electricity. Yeah. And back then they didn't. Like, you... And I mean, there's still parts of the world now where, like, your food is when you go out and get your fish or you kill an animal and you cook it over the fire and stuff like that or you wash your clothes down in the river and you hang it up, you know, wherever. Where in America, you don't do that. Yeah, but you can get by being a homeless person. Like, I took the bus in uh, today and I was talking to a couple homeless people on the bus and I was telling them about, you know, good food shelves and and soup kitchens that I knew about. And... Mm -hmm there's resources here like but then that also begs the question and again i'm playing devil's advocate was jesus just talking to his disciples then and there because they had a new message to spread or is that something that every single person who identifies as a christian who follows christ has to apply to themselves could it be not only that the context and the culture was different but that the the audience was like such a very specific small audience to his like to either these 12 people or these, you know, 300 people or, or however many people he was addressing, you know, either his uh, his apostles or like his larger group of disciples or whatever terminology you want to use. Like, could it be that that was just a message to them versus being something that 
every person who identifies as a Christian has to follow. You want to take a stab at it before I talk again? Can no, you? you can go take a stab at it. I... I, I don't think he was just talking to his disciples. I think he was talking to... I mean, yes, at the time he was talking to his disciples because that was his main audience. Mm-hmm. Because He was having a conversation with them, assumedly. Right, but, but the point of being a disciple is to there go take Jesus' word or mm-hmm. whatever deity you're serving and then take it to the masses. So that's what the disciples' job was, is to take these teachings of Jesus and go into the other cities and other towns and other villages and say, hey, if you want to, you've heard about this Jesus guy, this is his teachings. And so therefore, I, I, so I think Jesus' mentality was, you want to be part of the kingdom, this is how I, this is how I envision it. This is how I want it to hmm. be done. And I think we've, not just we've, like as America, but humanity from from when Jesus ascended into heaven and Jesus is out of the picture, you know, physically to where we're at now, we've done a very shitty job of imitating or mimicking those teachings. And I'm not trying to say that we're inherently bad people because we're not, but I would say majority of human <clears throat> beings, and I'm not just speaking about America as, as Americans, but anywhere in the world, I would think most people are like, I want, you know, a nice bed to lay, a bed to lay my head on. Not even necessarily a nice one. I want to have some food. And it doesn't have to be, you know, fine dining. It could be like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or toast and, you know, whatever. Or I want a glass of water. It's like some basic, you know, needs that we need as human beings. Um, So I, I don't think Jesus meant to be like, you just have to be like a homeless person going from city to city. However... And yes, like in our society now, at least in America, most cities have um, homeless shelters where people can get food. But a lot of our homeless shelters are nonprofit, or if it's city run or state run, then it's obviously funded somehow. Um, so I do think that some of, and this maybe goes back to like what Jason was saying when we interviewed him, Caleb was. I think the I think the story, the teachings of Jesus are, are accurate. I think the the point of the poverty just doesn't play into our normal society today because of so many different things in our life, like mm-hmm. technology, like having cars. Like most people lived in the same village, they worked in the same village, they yeah. went to temple or wherever in the same village where they're at. Mm-hmm. And you Ameri- walked everywhere you yeah, went. Yeah, and in America you don't have that. Like, I, I have to drive in my car for 10 minutes every day to just get to work. I have to drive 5 or 6 minutes just to get groceries, where that's normal in most places in the world, but back in Bible times, everything was centralized in that village or town, so it could have been easier to maybe be a person who chose to live a life of poverty, but it's not easy in in, in at least a westernized context. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's wrong or evil or taking it, you know, Jesus out of context. But I think some of those teachings that Jesus did just does not does not kind of mesh well into our society mm-hmm. now that we're living in. And again, I'm being devil's advocate here. We're such a small group. We don't have a lot of... I feel like we honestly probably fully agree on a lot of these things, so I feel like I have to kind of... To keep it interesting. Do it. Um, do, you just kept... You used the phrase, it. it's not easy like it was then. Is Does that really validate 
it, it being easy or not, does that really validate um, not fully following the, the the letter of the law, like the, the words, the specific um, commandments, quote-unquote, that Christ gave? Well, I, I mean, I don't know, but I know for a fact that most of the stuff, and this might, people might think I'm a heretic for saying this, I mean, if this is the only thing they think I'm a heretic, we'll buckle up. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, but like when it talks about giving money, you know how in the ch- how in the world has the church somehow in the church many moons ago, probably many centuries ago, said ten percent. But if you look in the Bible, and my colleague that I wrote this article with, he's an Old Testament uh, person. His name is Tim, but he's like really when Jesus talked about that, he said everything. He said Jesus did say, if you follow me, you have to give up everything. Yeah. And somehow the church is like, no, 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 10%. We'll just, we'll just make a nice number like 10%. So when you do tithe, whether however much that is, because, you know, I, we give $25 a month every month to our church just because it's a tithe. We want to support it. We give money to Revolution mm-hmm. because we want to support what Jay and people are doing. And I'll give money to other charities that I want to, and I think that that's fine. But if you want to stick biblically to what Jesus said, mm-hmm. it's everything. And and then we could, you know, cut that into two to say, does that mean financially? Does that mean spiritually? Mm, yeah. You know, whatever, everything. So I think a lot of these teachings we read from Jesus, we as Christians, we, we're kind of like, mm, no, I don't like that. Right. Case in point, slavery. Jesus never really talked about, and, and a lot of people get mad, Jesus never really talked in a negative light about slavery. Right. Because he was like, you know, slaves obey your masters. Uh-huh. But you look in a 21st century context now, and you say the word slave, and people are like, you don't own me. Yeah. And I think it's wrong to own another person. Of I don't course. think any human being should own another human being. Yeah. But going back to the biblical context, the hermeneutic of it, back then, like, it was completely normal Well, and it was to, very, to have a slave. And it was very different. Slavery was different compared it was to it so now. different. It was Slaves like, lived with their families. They were treated really well by their families. Most of the time. Most of the time. Not all the time, most of the time. You know, and they, it's, it's almost like they became, like, part of their family. Not saying that was... I, I think that's still appalling, but it just shows you how some of this stuff was back in the Bible time compared to now. And I know you're being the devil's advocate, but... Which is good because it makes the conversation, you know, yeah. go well. But that's my biggest thing. The farther I've gotten in my faith journey and just looking at it in the Bible in a more critical light is a lot of the things that you look at the Bible just can't parlay into like our modern Absolutely. thing because life is so different. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't say how Jesus lived 2,000 years ago with his followers can be the same 2000 years later just because with mm-hmm. human evolution with the tech ad, you know advancements in technology and car all that stuff it's just it's impossible mm-hmm. but i think we're trying our best most of the time to do what we can yeah. do and that's the best we can do so would you say that in opposition to it being us misinterpreting it or doing it wrong or jesus giving the wrong lesson in opposition to those two options, it would be the culture having it wrong or the culture being at, at quote-unquote, at fault or being in a different context. Like, is, is that the 
variable here that makes it to where we can't literally follow these teachings. If that is if that is something that, that you would think would be like the best kind of default is is being literal about it. If I'm gonna say to Kaylee, do you want to say anything? Do you want me to? I don't want to just to be think the away, Kaylee. I don't I'm want just to trying to Caleb think of how I want to respond to that because my brain is also really tired right now too. We right? record this awful late. Just for the listener, we are recording this. We, kind of well, we always do. Everything. That's why. I, I know. Sometimes we're so slow. I'm so tired. Um, can you go back? So, do you think? For a second. Well, I'm saying it. I'm, I'm asking: Is it is it the fact that our context is different, okay. and not the fact that either Jesus was wrong or or that well, we're getting it wrong? Well, okay. So, first of all, it depends on how much we want. How much focus do we want to put on culture? Right. That's, that's the big. Yeah, that's the, that's big, the, question. That's the yeah. question of the mm-hmm. day. Like, are we going to say, "Oh, well, we don't really have to take a vow of poverty because things were different back then, mm-hmm. and so you know it doesn't apply to us"? Or are we going to look at the rich young ruler where Jesus literally told him, "Give up everything and come follow me"? Mm-hmm. Hello, but the the rich young ruler was like super rich compared to all the compared to the You're people right. that Jesus. He's a one percenter. Uh, yes, he was, and so I, I, I don't. I don't know. It's a tough thing because it culturally it was very different back then. And, you know, even, even, even when the monks were doing, you know, the desert fathers and they were just like out in the desert ministering to people and, you know, they still had enough to live off of. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and that's kind of the the thing is like if you're if you're fully impoverished think, and you die from hunger, then what like are yeah, you? Yeah, well, and I think that we need to. I that's I, you're right. Yeah. that's exactly right. Well, and I think that we need to like look at it from how much in excess are we living, mm-hmm. and what does that look like, and, how, and what does that mean? I mean, it's not like you, you know, how. Uh, I don't know. We can go a lot to different. No, that was really that's no, what I was trying to. That's the answer I was trying to pull out of you by being okay. like I fully agree with what you're saying. Yeah, it's like how <laughs> how how do we want to look at this? right? Yeah, and it's well, a difficult and thing. Exactly what you were saying, Keely. I think you nailed it. Is I think how you could take what I don't I don't and it goes back to the to the part when Jesus says, "If you need to follow me, you have to hate your father and your mother mm, and right. follow me." Jesus never, I, I don't think Jesus really said those words. And if he did, he's not saying really hate your father and mother. Because right. in the other parts of the scripture, it says obey your, your father, father and mother. Right. Yeah. What, he was try- what he was trying to say was if you can't give up everything, if you can't give up your, like, your, your identity as a son or a daughter or a father or a mother or, or whatever, then you really can't follow me. Whereas literally like dying to yourself, like your needs. And I think what you were saying though, Kayleen, is the excessiveness because sometimes I look and I'll look at, you know, my wife and I'll be like, you know, I don't, we don't have that much. And then literally I guess my dad's in my ear because my dad was, he wasn't a minimalist, but he did not need a lot of things. And his voice, even all these years after he's passed, It'll be like, do you have a roof over your head? Yes. Do you have food on your table every night? Yes. Can you? Do you have a job that can pay your bills? Yes. Do you have a family that loves you and cares about you? Yes. Then you have everything you need. Mm-hmm. And all the other crap that you 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 think you need, you don't. Like, I love I love reading. I love 
listening to podcasts. I love watching like Amazon and Hulu. If I did that every day, I wouldn't get bored. But we live in a society where it's like you have to watch the next best movie, the next best TV show, then you have to try the next best food with the restaurant, you know, and all the stuff. So we're inundated with entertainment. Mm-hmm. And I think how Jesus's meshes can, can connect to us now is you don't need all that to, mm-hmm. to be a Christian. You don't need all that to believe in my teachings. What you need mm-hmm. is an open heart and an open mind to take these, what I, to heart. Like mm-hmm. I, I think it's ridiculous when people are like Christians, particularly Mm-hmm. Where they're like, you know, I need to make all this money as a pastor. I need to make all this money to buy two or three cars or send my kids to the best schools. Because I'm like, to me, because people are like, I have the money so I can afford that. And I'm like, well, why don't you take some of that money and give it to a charity or give some of that money to end homelessness? Because I tell people all the time, the church could end homelessness if we actually followed the teachings of Jesus and actually... Yeah, yeah opened up orphanages sure. or or homeless shelters in every one of our churches. Why is it just mostly Catholic churches that do it? I know Lutherans are getting good at it too, but like Lutherans and Presbyterians, they take care of the elderly because a lot of a lot mm-hmm. of, you know, Presbyterian homes and, mm-hmm. and Catholic you know, a lot of Catholic um uh nursing homes and hospice cares. A lot of like the Dorothy Day Center in St. Paul's one of the biggest homeless shelters in the Twin Cities. I mean, they just sunk in a millions of dollars to build a brand new one. So if the church really wanted to eradicate homelessness, eradicate all this stuff, we could. We just don't mm-hmm. want to. Because mm-hmm. we all, as human beings, we want this feeling of being pat on the back. Like, hey, you know, you, you gave $100 a month out of your own paycheck to go to this orphanage or to mm-hmm. go to this missionary. or to go to. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's inherently bad, but it gives us this complex of like hey these people yeah i did a good thing and i need this but what jesus is trying to say is like no if you died to yourself if you gave your heart in your mind you wouldn't have that mentality and it goes back to uh what is that parable where the guy gave all of his money or he the guy gave like let's say a hundred dollars but he had a thousand of it. That's not anything. Mm-hmm. And the woman gave the, the only gave two, yeah. the only two coins she had. And and Jesus was like, ding, ding, ding. She got it yeah. because she gave she more gave, than you did. She gave more than you did because she gave everything. Yeah, you gave a good amount of money. Yes, mm-hmm. and in actuality, you gave more monetarily than she did. But you're gonna go home and you know know where your food's gonna be at. She doesn't know where she's gonna get her food, and that's where it comes to mm-hmm. where us as Christians we're like. You know, what if, Kaylee, what if you were like, I feel like God's telling me to give up my car. I'm not saying that, but what if God was like, but what if God was like, give up your car and and get a job where you can walk to. Mm -hmm. So then you don't have to deal with the money to take care of your car. The better carbon footprint, you're you're taking care of the planet by not putting all the pollutants out there. Mm -hmm. And I'm just using that as an analogy, but I think that's the stuff that Jesus is talking about is... Mm -hmm. Having a smaller footprint in in in, in life, but mm-hmm. as as Americans, especially as American Christians, it bothers me because we're like, oh, God wants me. It kind of goes back to prosperity. It goes Ooh. back to like, well, God's blessed me with this gift and blah blah blah, and so I'm gonna try to make the most money I can mm. because God wants me to succeed yeah. in life. And it's like God wants you to succeed in life, but if He wants you to succeed in life, the homeless person down the street. 
that may struggle with addiction, that maybe just is down on his or her luck. Are you trying to say God doesn't want them to succeed? Because mm-hmm. if you if you're saying that God wants people to succeed, then everyone has to have that voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, come preach it. That's it. It's a hard you just thing. Tell yourself, well, preach it. <laughs> it's a hard thing because like I hear that's yeah, it is, but I hear the I hear you know, I hear these stories all day. You know, people where some huge accident happened and now all of a sudden they're paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Or now all of a sudden something happened and they can't work anymore and they're trying to get disability payments and that's a very long process if anybody knows anything about that and we're not helping the people that need it the most that are poor that are vulnerable that are disabled that that we're we're not doing it and i don't know it's a very difficult for sure and then it's also and then i look at the guidelines for medical assistance and and food support and i'm like the asset guidelines have not changed since 1985. Hmm. $3,000 in 1985 was a lot of money. Yeah. It is not. $3,000 in 2019, not a lot of money. Not, yeah. not a, no, and that's total how much somebody can have. That's 33 total. years ago. Yeah, I know. 33 years it's ago. a long time ago. And what if, and now I'm going so. to jump on the other side of the fence. Yeah. And, and be the angel's advocate. You can't over. Yeah. Angel's advocate. <laughs> yeah, the, the other side of the shoulder. What if everyone did? What if everyone followed the teachings of Christ and gave all their money to the poor? Mm-hmm. Then the poor would be the ones with all the money, and then they have to give their money to the people who used to be the rich. You know, like it's oh, a, that's a ridiculous fallacy. Oh yeah, of course. But I'm just saying that, like, if you follow it by the letter of the law, <laughs> if you follow it by the book, oh, then it's an impossibility. I'm just saying. I know, I'm just, I know. I guess I never thought about that because I don't I'm think just saying that like I'm just saying we can't take this too happen. literally. This is me speaking as me now. Is that if okay. we take this too literally, yeah. then yeah, you're right. Literally, it's a fallacy. That's never going to happen. And I don't know. I look at people like Saint Francis, who literally literally gave up everything mm-hmm. and walked around the streets poor and homeless. Essentially, I mean. So I mean. But to me, there's something. I'm not saying I I could do that. Yeah, I'm not saying I could do that because I love a good hamburger. I, know. I love beer as I'm drinking my third one of the night. I love watching TV. Like right. I, I like yeah. on my breaks at work, I watch all my shows. You know, so I'm not saying I can do that. But there's something inherently beautiful on the men and women throughout history that have done that, that have yeah, given well, up everything. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like, when I've read St. Francis, like the books on St. Francis, and I have, if you ever want to read a, a short book on him, I have one. It's fantabulous. I don't know why I'm saying fantabulous a lot, but it's That's just my word today. That's spectacular that you're saying fantabulous. And it's, it's spectacular that you're saying the word spectacular. I know it is. I um, put that in there for fun. No, but it, it's so amazing because like, when you read about St. Francis, and I think even non-Christians or non-Christians, you know, People who don't even know really about Christianity, you say St. Francis, and a lot of people are like, yeah, I know, I know who that individual birds. is. Well, yeah, because, I mean, he, there's even that, like, he's out yeah. in the garden. He's out, he's, I mean, You he's, know, like, they, you can go to Menards and be like, hey, there's St. Francis, because yeah, he know, talked with the you, animals. You find, you find statues of him all over Right, and he's kind of that patron saint mm-hmm. of... Of, like, talking to the animals, being out in the garden in the wilderness, like, yeah. and that's true. But 
if you look at the backstory of of Saint Francis of who he really was, he was of like he wealthy was the, background. He was the one percent. He his was game. the one percent. He was the wealthy. He yeah. his his father was like I think a garment maker, like a silk maker. And you go to like a CC now, and, and like CC's in in Italy. Um, he was part of the Italian elite. And, I mean, in people have studied, I mean, because it was like one of the 1200s that CC was around there, the 1200s, I think. So, I mean, many years, you know, a thousand years plus after Jesus and a thousand years in, in the past for us. But you look and out of everything that he had, he gave away. I mean, he had a life of debauchery, of drinking, of sex and all this stuff. And he gave it all up because he's like, I feel like Jesus wanted me to to get rid of and one of the awesomest stories about Assisi and I'm going to bring this back but there was a leper colony and hopefully I won't get emotional but this is one of the most beautiful stories ever that I've ever read was that there was a leper colony outside of Assisi and I guess Assisi is more of like on a hill so it's like you were looking down so like here Hmm. where we live in Dayton's Bluff you can look down into St. Paul Mm-hmm. So it would be like into downtown, not like because we are in St. Paul. But it would be like where downtown St. Paul would be like a big leper colony. And we were up here like in Assisi. And he was traveling. He was walking out, you know, being with some of his disciples and just probably talking to the animals and stuff. And he sees these lepers and, and this leper colony. And he felt like God just telling him like, you know, talk to them. Give them the time of the day. Care about them like I would. And he was with them and he actually would in if these accounts are true which i think it is is he kissed them which mm, is a wow. big deal back right. which which yeah. because everyone made yourself very vulnerable well because everyone thought that you can get leprosy right. by like skin to skin contact which i don't think this is necessarily true mm-hmm. i don't know if it's, it's almost true. analogous to people working with individuals with aids yeah exactly like, you know, like, exactly yeah. right so, when and so people thought like, thought, like or something. so if like i'm using you as an example so if caleb had leprosy Back then, people are like, oh, you touch him, mm-hmm. I'm going to get leprosy, but that's not true. It's more of, like, blood or maybe, like, spit or whatever. Right. And so he would go to them and just hug them and love them. And mm-hmm. instantly, right there, these people who were the, the nobodies, the the people who were the diseased and pretty much had a, a death sentence on their life, this Assisi guy who's so full of God's love really changed their attitude. And, I mean, St. Francis is the one that's like, when you talk, it kind of was like when you preach – Use words when necessary, because mm. his whole thing was like actions. Mm-hmm. His whole thing was like actions. Is like someone's gonna know that you love Jesus by your actions. Mm-hmm. If your actions don't prove that you love Jesus, then you're probably not a Christian. Let's just be honest. And so that's why I love Assisi, but I'm also I can also say I'm never gonna be like Assisi because I couldn't just live off on the wild. Like me out in the wild, I would I could not <laughs> handle it. I hate mosquitoes, and mosquitoes love me. I would probably just be a balloon by after one day in the wilderness in Minnesota. Well, then you should hug the mosquitoes. Did you catch them first? <laughs> I don't know. This topic is really close to my heart, but yeah, for it's, sure. It's, it's, I just, I don't think, in at least in America, I don't think mm-hmm. we can be living a life of poverty like we right. do now. And you also have to ask, I think, what. Um, like within our within our culture, uh, and within this context, how can you follow Christ's other maybe more literal teachings of 
of helping the widow and, and feeding the hungry and things like that if you don't have the resources to do that. Yeah. You know? Like, if, if you're on the same level, if you're another person without any means at all, mm-hmm. then how can you have the capacity to help somebody, you know, who, who really does need help? You know, we look at, at, at you know, charitable people who are really wealthy, mm-hmm. and we look at, you know, literal charities, and, and like our, we were talking about earlier, like soup kitchens and, and things like that, and um, and it's like, you know, how can how can you actually help people and affect the world around you if you don't have the means to do that? And I'm not saying that, that Christ, that's almost like kind of in a twisted way winds back in prosperity gospel like yeah we need all this money and stuff so we can help people I'm not even saying that I'm just saying like like this is a really practical example like Kayleen with you like the past couple times we met I didn't have bus fare to get home and so you gave me a few bucks you know and you don't it's not like you're you know you're in the struggle as much as anybody else you know but you had a few bucks to give me to help me out and so you gave that to me yeah. and and that's as much uh, you know that's as valid of a of a donation or of a of a tithe, quote unquote. You know, as anything else. I think so too. I think so because I think that we need to look at what does it really mean to help somebody out. What does that look like? Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's not just a percentage. It's not. It's not just a percentage. Although the percentage is a helpful guide, mm-hmm. very much so. But. Right. You know, well, and it could be like you said, like time. It could be like when you a couple weeks back when you, you you know didn't have a way to get back home, and I'm like, well, I have to go to bed. But if you want to crash on my couch, right. I can drop you off. It, it, it's I think taking care of the other person. Like not mm-hmm. all of us have a ton of money. I get, you know I can't just buy all my friends who don't have a car a car, or <laughs> right. I can't just be like here's fifty dollars, you know, and put this on like a bus fare. But I think within your capacity of what you as an individual can afford, because, mm-hmm. you know, there, no matter how much we're struggling, there's always people are going to struggle worse than us, yeah. and honest. Um, but I think like what you were saying, though, like if we don't have a ton of money, what can we do? One, I don't think there's anything wrong of like working in a soup kitchen a couple weekends out of the month or like a weekend out of the month. I think it's wrong when someone's like, ha ha, look what I did, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you and they know, like, they go in front of the church and they, they talk yeah. like, brother Brian's going to tell us about his volunteer yeah, hours. That, that I month. think, that I think is wrong. I've seen things, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but no, I've but seen things. Happens, no, I've happens. seen stuff yeah. like that too. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. And you shouldn't do it because you're like, oh, I feel, I'm going to feel better about my, I mean, everyone struggles with that kind of ideal. Of like, oh, this person is so much worse off than me. But I feel like giving your time, and I think that's the most important thing that even God looks at the heart of like, you know, Kaylin, you could be doing something else with your life on Saturday. You could be out grocery shopping. You could go see a movie. You could be hanging out with your friends and having Izzy's ice cream. Or else you could be going to the soup kitchen and helping the less fortunate. And I'm not trying to say that to guilt you. I'm just trying to say I think that is taking the message of Jesus and being like, okay, I'm applying this to my life mm-hmm. and seeing what I can do. Yeah. And I mean, I like having sure. these conversations because the conviction is the heck out of me. And I, that yeah. and conviction is not an evangelical word. Conviction is a word where when you think of something and you're like, okay, I need to change my attitude. I need to change mm-hmm. my mind. And I think throughout history, you look at people like 
Assisi or, or Claire of Assisi mm-hmm. or even someone like Dorothy Day or the Berrigan Brothers. Yeah, I look Berrigan, at Dorothy Day and it's like... I mean, Berrigan Brothers are freaking amazing individuals. I don't even know who they are. The Berrigan brothers, just quick side note, if you don't mind. No idea. They were two brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple, they were around the same age, but they mm-hmm. both did not want to be priests. Um, I forget. I, and I think both of them were in Nam. Um, maybe World War Two. I don't know. I remember because I think it was in the 60s or 70s. But, I mean, they were radicals. They really took the teachings of Jesus to heart. Mm-hmm. Um, their book, I think I still have it on my shelf, is called Disarmed and Dangerous. They were radical pacifists. Oh, you told me about that book yeah. before. They were pacifists. They actually would like break into uh, like the areas where they have the draft cards and would like pour blood on it and say you're like murdering people for your. Well then. Yeah, no, no. They, I mean, they took oh. it to heart, but they were, but then they were also very peaceful because they were like Jesus is nonviolent. And he died the most violent way. That's the most aggressive nonviolence I've ever heard of, honestly. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, they never killed anybody or, or whatever. Com- you know, it's like. funny because everyone looks at Bonhoeffer as like, he's the most like pacifistic he, person, yeah, but, but yet he, end, he tried to kill But Hitler. he tried to kill Hitler. And he, regret, he yeah, regretted but he, that. But let alone, he tried to kill, not personally, but he was part of the plot of the to plot, kill yeah. him. Because yeah. people don't know, but Bonhoeffer's brother-in-law actually wasn't a Nazi but worked high up in the German government and had some of the access access to to that stuff but no so that, like that oak table that saved him mm-hmm. damn oak table I know <clears throat> but yeah I don't know if, I mean we're kind of all over the place but I do think it's all kind of flowing well yeah for sure but I, I, I just think taking some of the I think every individual means the best Especially if you call yourself a Christian, to take the teachings and the message of Jesus to heart. But when someone says, "Hey, you should live a life of poverty," it just to me, I'm like that. It doesn't make sense to do unless you're a single person, unless you didn't go to school and you don't have all these bills, unless you have friends that you could crash with. Like I think you know, you hear the the term "tramp," not in a sexual way, but a tramp is literally a person with no home. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so if someone's like, you could call a homeless person like a tramp, like they don't have, they're like a vagabond. They don't have somewhere to go. Back in biblical times, that was a normal kind of, the, it wasn't weird if you saw someone that didn't have a home. And back in biblical time, mm-hmm. hospitality was key. Yes, like you, was. you would have to open, like Caleb, if someone knocked on your door and was like, hey, I'm just traveling to this next town. Uh, I can't get there tonight. Can I stay at your place? You would have to open your door and let them in. You would have to let them stay. If they were Roman or... or no Everyone. Problem. Anyone? Anyone. A Samaritan? Uh, maybe not a Samaritan. <laughs> I'm just... But... Yeah. And, and it was, I think it was up to like three days. Like, that was kind of like law. Like, you had to do do that now. If some rando knocked on my door and was like, I don't have a place to stay. Can you know? Can I stay here? I'd be like, get the hell out of my face. I don't know who right. you are. I have a and kid just, here. I have a wife here. Yeah, exactly. But so I think, and, and I think, but we've gotten wiser as humans of being like, you can't trust everyone. And then sometimes when you're like, but I should trust everyone. But then you're like, well, look at you watch all these shows and you see the news where this, yeah, someone let someone into their home and they got raped or they got murdered. And I'm using, not all the time that that's going to happen. But, but, but that's, that's an extreme example. It's prevalent though. Sometimes it happens. But honestly, this is another tangent but honestly, though, like, 
have people gotten more quote unquote evil? Like has has someone coming into your house with the intent of like hurting your family or stealing from you has that become more pre- like people are always it's, like nowadays it's, just, it's, it's like I think we just know more about it I think it just got reported more I see I fully agree like I think that there's not more of a chance oh sorry there's no, probably not more of a chance of that happening yeah it's just that we we hear it like you're saying reported more yeah. like there's more media there's more 24 hour social mm-hmm there's more available yeah. uh, reporting on that stuff mm-hmm. it's very true so okay if Maybe just to kind of move towards wrapping it up. If if Jesus wasn't necessarily requiring people who listened to him, or, or, or not requiring, but like if he wasn't uh, positing that people give up all their possessions, like if he was here right now, here today, and he told us this message within our own context, like what's the heart of that message like if it's not just literally following the letter of the law and giving up everything and being impoverished then what's what's the actual is the is the idea there to be charitable is it to be helpful like what's the actual yeah I don't know I mean that's a tough thing because I don't ever want to put words into yeah, Jesus' I'm not saying yeah I'm just saying we can talk around it we can speculate I'm not you know this is right it's not gospel it's not gospel we're not rewriting anything here. Like, what's what's the what's the spirit of the law in these teachings? If the letter of the law isn't necessarily like, if we're not going to go out tomorrow and give up all of our possessions, I mean, and if people are going to be like, "Oh, you're tickling the ears," but I think it's love. I think it's giving people hope. I think it's you know accepting people for who they are, where they're at in their life. I think it's if you have. Not, I'm not even saying monetarily like money, but if you have like an extra can of soup and you know that this other person down the, like your neighbor or the person down the street, you literally know they don't have food, mm-hmm. going over there and giving them that mm-hmm. can of soup or something, it's something so little like that where I think that's where God's like, okay, yeah, you get it. You get it. It's mm-hmm. these people who are like, I need to have like, and, and honestly for me, I don't understand why Christians need BMWs. I don't know why they need Porsches. I don't know why they need four cars when only two people in the family drive. I don't know why people need to like, oh, I have a house and I have a cabin. And then I, you know, I'm sending my kid to this private school. And it's like, my question is why? And people are like, they can never answer that. It's like, well, because I have this. And it's like, it's like we've gotten so far off the message of Jesus where it's like, I actually care about you as a person. You know, like when, and you're a good friend of mine. So when you, when you're hurt, when you struggle, I struggle and hurt with you because mm-hmm. that, that's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But people don't do that anymore. Well, no, because we've watered everything down in life where it's yeah. like, you're going through your shit. You're going through your shit. I, 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 I'll hug you, give you a pat on the back and I'll say, I'll pray for you. Which when someone says I'll pray for you, that means they're not going to pray for it you. It doesn't mean anything at all. No. It's a gesture. I mean, it's no different than saying like maybe not. Maybe not. Some people will pray. If someone says, "I'll like," if I say to you, "I'll pray for you," I'm literally going to pray for you. I'm not going to say it's like Mm -hmm. on my knees for like two hours, but I might be like, "God be with Caleb for whatever he's going through." Right way in that moment because sometimes I might not remember. Yeah, right, and that's fine. Even like a a, a two second prayer is still a prayer. But what if like I'm if I have like if I'm sick, and then Brian's like, "Hey man, I'm going to pray for you," and then I don't get better. Then I'm like, ah, you know what? I bet Brian didn't pray for me. Well, then your, your theology on, on prayer and God's all messed up. 
But no, but kind of... Look at you and your theology of healing. <laughs> yeah, right. You need to be an intercessor. Mm-hmm. I did that kind of prayer, and that's just weird shit. Anyway. No, but I think I think trying to be, uh, like you're saying, like kind to one another... And, and and caring for that person, I think I think most Christians can get behind that. Yeah. But I, it's it, you have to rage with the other part of yourself that because as human beings we like to feel good about ourselves. Like when you do a good deed, let's be honest, we all glow. Like we all bask in that after a while. We don't try to, but we do. Like if you're like if you help someone like get out of. You know, like this hellishly long winter we've had now that it's starting to go away. But I can't tell how many people I've pushed out of like a ditch or people like stuck on the road. And like they're like, oh, thanks. So, you know, so much. They give you a hug or a high five. You kind of you're like, yeah, I feel good yeah. about myself. Right. But then you're like, why am I gloating? Because they're like, I would want that person to do that for me. Yeah. You know, or like mm-hmm. I've given, you know, when I've helped at soup kitchens before, you know, you're like, oh man, it sucks that this person's here. I'm so glad I'm not in that situation. Mm-hmm. But I instantly have to turn that off because it's like mm-hmm. that you rage within yourself because you're like, I'm going to help this person because they're a human being. Mm-hmm. Their mm-hmm. kids are human beings. Mm-hmm. Everyone deserves love, hope, grace, a good warm meal, a good place to lay their head. And I think that's at the crux of, of God, the gospel. That's the crux mm-hmm. of Jesus. And now I have to use my one effort. We all just fuck it up. Yeah, we do. we do, and there's no there's no other way around it. We fuck it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How much of the burden do you, of uh, like how much of the blame do you think goes on us fucking it up versus the culture we're born into fucking it up? Maybe I'm ho- opening a, a can of worms we shouldn't open up right now, but mm. I mean, That's I think it's I think it's both, but I think yeah. we can always blame the culture. Oh, the culture is this, and I mean, rest right. in peace to my grandmother. But my grandma would be like, oh, this culture, this world is so bad. And I would always go to her, and even up until the, not the day she died, but, and I would look at her and I'd be like, if you study the history of where we're at now compared to the biblical times, biblical times was actually more crude and more perverted than we are in America. I don't think you can really just fully put the blame on. You can't. So, and my whole point with that was saying, you can't look at culture and hold them like this because I said, we're so far apart. Mm -hmm. And I said, Slavery is not okay in our culture. Back in Bible times, it was. You could have multiple wives back in Bible times. You, that's against the law in almost every country. I mean, in, in at least first world countries and probably most second and third world countries, too. You know, all these things you, you can't have. But then I do think the onus of the problem is on humans, and most humans just don't care about other humans anymore. Mm-hmm. We don't. Like, if I see like I, the people that I know... Mm-hmm. I want to care for you. I want to help you out. But then if someone ills you, like treats you wrong, and I'll just be honest, I know my coworkers don't listen to this, but I have three coworkers who are the biggest assholes who are treating me like garbage, who I know in their mind that if I got fired, they they would not shed a tear. Mm-hmm. And I see them. Like, there's this one guy who I see him around, and he knows that I don't like him, and he doesn't like me. And every time I see him, I start cursing him under my breath. Because mm-hmm. I'm that angry at him, and I'm that mad. And I'm like, I don't care if you lose your job. I don't care that. But then I'm like, you have a six-year-old kid at home. I'm a terrible yeah. human being for saying that. But that's, but anger is a real emotion yeah. just like love is. Yeah. Just like hope and grace. So that's my that's my issue that I have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I know that that is. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, for crying out loud, Jesus got angry. Look at I me. Mean, many times in the Bible, he got angry. 
Mm-hmm. And so we can get angry too, but I think it's like, do you let that fester yeah. in you? Or do you just say, hey, you know what? Uh, and I, I've learned a lot just in the last month since I've gotten kind of quote-unquote in trouble at work. Unwarranted. Ooh. But no, and, and it's like, but I'm searching for other jobs. I'm, I'm stuff in the ministry is going great within my denomination. But when it comes down to it, it's, it's just a daily struggle. You know, yeah. like like Christ tells us to go to our neighbor and be like, "You need this." Like if you, if I think about it, every homeless person you see on the street that's asking for money, if if you take Jesus's teachings to heart, you should give every person at least a dollar. But who has that kind of money? Yeah. Do you have an extra like fifty dollars every day to just see homeless people and be like, "Here's a dollar. Here's a dollar." No, I'm behind on multiple bills right now. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know? but and so, like that's why I go back to the whole thing is like, is it really, like, is it really doable that we can do all these things that Jesus right. tells us to do? We can try it in our best way. So that's why I'm saying like, do you need that extra cup of coffee at Starbucks? Or could you take that $5 and be like, I'm just going to give it to like the Dorothy Day Center. Or I'm going to give it to the soup kitchen. Or I'm going to give it to the Salvation Army. Whatever, whoever and wherever you can get it. Mm-hmm. And be like, maybe that's going to do more good. But then you're going to have a lot of people like I dealt with at the college I used to work at. Where they're like, I work damn hard for my money and I'm going to spend it any way I want. When you start having that mentality, then you're like, you're leaving no room yeah. for the teachings of Jesus. It's the gospel to, to of capitalism. Him. Oh, yeah. And I don't like capitalism. Yeah. Don't want to get too political, but yeah, no, I, 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 I uh, can't, can't argue. Like when I said to a lot of people, if Jesus was here now, and politically speaking, he would be a socialist. Yeah. I think he was a socialist. Oh, fuck. I gotta edit that out. No, I won't. <laughs> you know, I've even said that to my mom. And my mom's Yeah, I think that's honestly true. I mean, if you had to... I'm not saying he'd be... If you had to pigeonhole If you had Jesus, to pigeon... Yeah, that's the word. If you it. had to pigeonhole if Jesus had in to. a political... Because as humans, we I like to... Yeah, don't say Honestly, maybe, maybe that should be our next podcast. Any courage for that one. Yeah. <laughs> no, I honestly do think if you had to go to it, Jesus was a socialist. <gasps> and I'm not talking about the socialist oh. as we look at it in the 21st right. century. But like giving to... You know, maybe not by a government mandated law, which honestly socialism requires the government to make you right. But tax, what, tax you. What Jesus wanted to do was change society yeah. in in large, and that he was has a Marxist. To deal, he had a deal. Well, you know, in a lot of ways he was probably a socialist, a Marxist, all those things mm-hmm. that give people the heebie-jeebies. But it's like, yeah, that's probably what Jesus was. I know I shouldn't have said that one. How about real quick, we do um, some recommendations. Because we're only at an hour, which is good, but mm-hmm. I might want to drink some more before we go to bed. Cool. I want that ice cream. Oh, yeah. Shut your mouth. I know. I'm going to have some butterscotch schnapps with it. Oh, that sounds good. I, Hot I brought salted caramel ice cream from Izzy's Ice Cream. Hey, that's going to be my recommendation. Oh. Say it louder so we can hear. I know. I'm sorry. Quit whispering. I'm, I'm sorry. You have a voice, so Kaylee. I know. Oh. We're gonna pay for testosterone, testosterone shots oh, for you so Lord. you can speak oh, more so loudly. Um, Izzy's ice cream. That was Kayla, by the way. Yeah, location two, in Saint Paul and one location in Minneapolis by the Guthrie. They have amazing homemade ice cream. Mm. Salted caramel happens oh. to be one of my favorites. That sounds so good. So there we go. You have any? I do, but you go ahead. 
Um, I have a couple. Um, I'm, I I don't always have enough time to watch shows and stuff that I catch up on. So I, every time I'm at work for my hour break that I have, I watch. I try to catch up on shows. Um, the one show, there's three seasons. The show's done. Um, the first season came out a number of years ago, like two years ago, and I watched it. And I guess they made two more seasons, and then they both are out on Amazon. Um, it's called The Tunnel, and it's 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 a it's a remake of like a Swedish one called The Bridge. Bruin, yeah, yeah. The Bridge, dude. Are you you've been watching that? I haven't watched The Bridge, but I've watched The Tunnel. You got to watch the original. I want it's so to, much better. The, but The Tunnel. Oh my God, I can't believe this. The I first this the first season of The Tunnel, um, and I got it was there was a murder. On the, right on the middle, right on the because like in the tube that goes from France into England, underneath the water, like halfway, it's like France and England, and in the first season of the tunnel, um, they found a dead body, but half of it was in England, half of it was in France. So technically, both both countries' police forces had to deal with it because it was on both sides, and so you see the this one French cop, this female, and the male cop. Um, one's younger, one's one's mm-hmm. single and young, one's older and has a you know is married and has a family. Um, and the the I forget what I was even about because it was a number of years ago. But the second season I just finished, um, and they're only like eight nine episodes long for the se- for the season. It's European, uh, yeah. It's it's, it's <laughs> so they don't they don't do like twenty six episode seasons. Yeah, they don't do like fifteen. Um, it's it's actually it was funny because there's a lot of swearing in it, but it's actually. In America, it's brought brought by PBS, um, but it's a French and British um, show, collaboration. Collaboration. It's really, really good. Like I love like crime and British crime. And it was so funny. I actually got my uh, I actually got my brother and my mom into like two or three British shows because I said. British and European crime shows are 100% better than oh, American. Oh, million percent. Like, I'm, I'm not lying. And, like, my my mom watched my daughter this week, and while my wife and I went on a date, and my mom was like, Brian, did you watch Broadchurch? The show is so amazing. No, and, I, and, and I was like... Have you seen it? Yeah. I was like, oh. Mom, I'm the one that recommended it to it makes Justin. makes me cry every time. And then Justin recommended it to you, and she was like, oh, my God, it was so good. And she's like, did you watch The Fall? I said... Again, Dude. I was the one that got my brother into the fall, Brian. and and so like my not only am I recommending the tunnel, but I'm recommending I'm recommending British, especially British, but European in general, um, crime shows like like tough crime shows because they're freaking amazing. Oh yeah, better writers, better better just better stories, better actors, acting. Let's be it's not yeah, the acting's not like American acting. It's like. Overacting, this like the remakes, the American mm-hmm. remakes. It's like all like overacting. Like you could like really believe that this corny. person was a cop and right. they were just acting. So that's that's number one. Have you seen um, River? No, but it's it's on my Netflix. Okay, too. good. There's so many shows I want to watch. It's on. Yeah. Unreal. The other one is actually. Um, I'm gonna see if I can get this individual on. So if you're gonna listen, hopefully, um, I listened to her. Um, story, some of her music on one of my favorite podcasts, The Inglorious Pastards. Um, her name's um, Brie Adams. I almost said the wrong name. Brie Adams. Um, but her musical name and where her band is is called Many Rooms. And 
first of all, I recommend listening to that episode on Inglorious Pastors. Um, she grew up evangelical, went to a Pentecostal college for a while, um, has her story, but then... Um, Keep going. Sorry. But then she was just telling how she wrote her music, and her um, somebody had said that her music is um, sad, depressing, girly music. But it's, she's just like, you know, it's funny because her music that she grew up listening to was like punk and hardcore, but she writes music that deals with like, it's not just like, oh, I love a boy or like whatever. It's like, it's like father complexes or issues or it's, you know, death and loss and whatever. And it's really good. And um, it's nice. I tweeted at her yesterday mm-hmm. and she tweeted back and retweeted my tweet. Um, but... So my Big time. listen to the Inglorious Pastors last podcast. Listen to all theirs because it's hilarious. A lot of dick jokes, a lot of fuck words. But then also listen to Many Rooms. Um, she's really really good. Um, I, and I think I said to him the tweet is hauntingly beautiful because her music is really really good. So um, yeah, those are my recommendations. Cool. I I just want to recommend. A show, or a, a, a single episode of a show. Uh, it's a show called Easy. It's on Netflix. Oh, that's on my cute. Yeah, it's directed by Joe Swanberg, who is my favorite director. This is very up. Oh, what's that? Cheeky. No, it's not cheeky. Very uh, bougie to say this, like very kind of pretentious. Like everyone knows this term, but it's uh, it's a mum. He's a mumblecore director. So yeah, I know. It's like ooh, everyone knows that word. Like you know, it's very. But. Yeah, so like all of his everything he directs pretty much is unscripted. Like they'll obviously they'll have like an outline and uh, they'll have mm-hmm. a you know a, a story, but then all the acting Improvis- is impro- is improvised, and so it's like really real and really raw. And like there's a lot of awkward pauses, and it's like really real dialogue and stuff like that. It's not all you know. It's not all like uh, plotted out. But um, I recommend. Uh, because of today's discussion, I recommend season two, episode six. Uh, it's about a girl who's like born into a really rich family and she doesn't like going to church. And then she finally does one Sunday. I'm not going to give any spoilers, but like she does one Sunday and she hears the message about it's easier for a rich man to enter through the eye of a needle than, or uh, for a camel to enter the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter in the kingdom of heaven. And uh, she starts out taking that real sarcastically, like kind of shoving it to her parents, like, you know, if you're real Christians, you'd follow this. But then there's like a really big turn. And I, I would not at all say that she gets converted religiously, but she has a massive spiritual experience that parallels that. And it's very moving. Hmm. And I've watched it multiple, multiple times. It's only like a you know 22 minute long yeah. Uh, watch. It's really not a big commitment. I think um, Mark Maron's in that show too. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's in a, two episodes. One in the first season, one in the second season. And um, but it's just like every time I watch it, I have a really, a really fulfilling, good cry. And I'm a crier. I cry all the time. I've cried in this show multiple times yeah, yeah. on our on our podcast. But it's not a bad thing. Like you get choked up right now. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit choked <laughs> up. But it's it is really worth it. Like maybe if we have a drink and a. And a, a, an ice cream. We can even watch it right now. But it is really great. It's so well done. And it's just a great message, I think, about the heart of Christ or love or, you know, Buddha, whatever you want to call it. Just about, like, 
beyond religion, just spirituality and love and genuine understanding of what where that is coming from, however you interpret it. And so I think that's I really I really, really endorse that one, yeah. Yeah. Wrap her up. Until next time. Until next time. Until next time. A post Christian production.